Good, good morning. It's nice to be here with you this morning. I thought it was a dream. But now I am here to preach for you. Let's bow our heads shall we come to the Lord in prayer. Our heavenly and gracious Father, this morning, we are trembling before you this morning. We beg, we implore your grace. As you walk in our midst, may your Shekinah glory envelop this place as we hear thy word. May you anoint us with the press oil of service this morning. Lord, we beg your power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Every time I heard a lot of ministers preach, they're always preaching about encouraging God's people about their sicknesses, calamities, and problems. As I meditate his word last night, and I come to the book of Job, he said in Job chapter 1, verse 8, As thou considered my servant Job. This morning, I would like to endeavor in the portion of his word about, Hast thou considered my servant? According to Job chapter 1, verse 8, he said, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? They say, then Satan answered the Lord and said, That Job fear God for now? Hast, thou, hast not thou made an heads? or restraining grace about him and about his house and about all that he had on every side. Thou hast blessed the works, the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. That's the question. Brethren, one of the duties of your pastor is to preach and pray in such a way that you are prepared in mind and heart not to curse God in the day of your calamity. But even more, that instead of cursing, you might worship God and bless him as your free and absolute sovereign father, no matter how intense the grief or deep the pain he brings into your life. 
In Job chapter uh, 7 verses 17 to 18, it is stated there, What is man? What is man? That thou should magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every, what, morning, and try him, what, in every moment. God had set his heart upon man and is testing us every moment. Trouble, when we talk trouble, has an uncanny way of revealing who are we and what our real needs It's one thing to experience a sudden tragedy, like the loss of a child or the discovery of some dreaded disease in your body. And it's quite another thing to experience the relentless misery of the loss for months or even years afterwards. And the book of Job addresses a universal problems. For all people of all faiths perspectives, even for those who believe that the world is the result of impersonal forces operating in a predetermined manner. The author of Job especially addresses those who believe in a personal creator known by the name Yahweh, the Lord, according to his self-revelation. His work is simply about God and man, about God and his elect, about God and his children. It was written to those who struggle with the justice of a sovereign God in a world filled with suffering. The problems of suffering is timeless. Amen. Are you still there? Hello? The author of Job does not provide a theodicy <clears throat> in the sense of depending the justice of God. Job's friends serve as a foil to that end. So their wisdom is a human effort to resolve this dilemma. But as far as the author is concerned, This effort is failed. God also declared that their friends, that the friends are in the wrong, virtually, in this church will experience a bitter calamity sooner or later. And you can mark it down ahead of time. It will almost certainly absurd and meaningless and undeserves when it comes. In chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, describe the way how God blesses Job. Now, in his righteousness, he had seven sons and he had three daughters and huge numbers of sheep and camels and oxen and servants 
He was the greatest of all the people of the East. And in verses 4 and 5, describe a specific instance of Job's fear, Job's fear of God and uprightness toward his children. Every time that uh, every time that his son and daughters gather for a peace, a peace, a peace, Job would get up early in the morning and offer burnt offering for each one, just in case any of them had sinned or cursed God in their heart. In other words, he was extremely jealous for the honor of God's name, that it not be profaned, and he was extremely vigilant for the sake of his children, not wanting any of them to come to ruin. He was a good man. Now in verses, chapter 1, verse 13, following, then the calamity came. It, one of those, it was one of those peace days when all of his ten children were gathered in the home of the oldest brother. In verses 14, verse 15 of chapter 1 of book Job, a messenger comes to Job and tells him that the Sabians had attacked and stolen all his oxen and asses and killed all the servants with them. Then in verse 16 of the book of Job, another messenger comes and say that the, that the fire of God had fallen and destroyed all his sheep and the servant with them. And then in verse 17, another messenger comes and say that the Chaldeans had, ra- had raided the camels, heard and taken them all and killed all the servants. And finally in verses 18 up to 19, The message, the message comes that all of his children were crushed to death when a tornado caused the house to collapse. Notice that the six agents of Satan during the time on earth, the Sabians, the Chaldeans, the fire from heaven, the elements or the tornado, and the deceased, and also an ungodly wife. All Job's prosperity is gone in one afternoon. Everything is gone. What in the world is going on here? To see what is going on, we have to look outside the world. This word alone never answered the great question of life. The answer is found in heaven. The answer is found in His holy word. So the answer is found in the written word. So the writer gives us a glimpse into heaven to understand better what is happening on earth. Verses 6 to 12. Describe a meeting between God and Satan. In verse 7, Satan says that he spent his time going to and fro on the earth. He says, Has thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him. Noah. He is a blameless. He is an upright man. 
who fears God and turns away from evil. God is manifestly proud of Job. Amen? Job's fear of God has endeared God to Job in every deep way. You know what? Satan started wagging his head. Satan is not impressed. In verse 9, he is insinuated that Job is not such a great specimen of reverence for God. He says that the only reason Job feared God is to get rich. He said, does Job fear God for now? No. He, in his mind, Satan's mind, that Job fear God because it will mean wealth. It means health. It means prosperity. That's all. Does, does Job fear God for now? So Satan says to God in verse 11, he said, God, put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse thee to thy face. Put away his restraining grace all the hedges. Put away his protection. I ask your permission about that. Remove the heads. God said, I don't need to prove anything to you or, ne- or anybody else. I know the heart of my servant Job. I know his motive and that is enough for me. He could have But in this case, he didn't. God chooses to get an open victory over Satan for his own glory. A test will show that in the heart of Job, God himself is more highly esteemed than any possession or any family member. So God says in verse 12, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, in your power. Only upon himself do not put forth your hand. That's the command of God. So God is manifestly searching throughout the whole world for a man or for a woman whose heart is perfect toward him. In Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from now henceforth thou shalt have wars. He does for several reasons. For one thing, God has enemy who had who relentlessly accuses the brethren day and night. 
according to Revelation chapter 12, verses 10. Furthermore, the, the adversary reproaches the Lord himself in the first chapter of the book of Job. Satan charges that no one served the Lord because he loves him, but because only for selfish reason. Therefore, Job dealt a severe blow to Satan by falling down into worship at the Lord after losing everything he had. By this action of Job, he proved Satan wrong. He proved that Satan is wrong. In Job chapter 1 verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped God. In verse 21, And said, Naked came I, out of my mother's womb, and naked came I, and shall I return thither? The Lord gave, and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the most expensive worship in the eyes of God. Bless the Lord. How can we bless the Lord? By showing His praise? No. In the midst of trials. You don't need to be murmur. God is always on His throne. This is how Job blesses God. This is the most expensive worship when you are under pressure, when you are under affliction, when you are under trials. What on earth is happening? The answer in that something of immense heavenly significance is happening. God is in the process of demonstrating to the heavenly host that he himself is paramount in the heart of the of, of, of the man of man of like Job. He wants to manifest himself. Job's reverence is that a mercenary as though God himself were of no value. No! God's reverence is based on the value of God for who God is. He is in himself. The revelation of this truth is so important that God is willing to subject his prized servant to grief and poverty in order to make it known. Job chapter 20 verse 21 records the victory. Then Job arose and rent his robe and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshipped. Oh, how this blesses the heart of God. This is the most, as I tell you before, this is the most expensive Worship of all. It declares his work with rejoicing. 
according to Psalms 107 verses of verse 22. Brethren, thankfulness also keeps our hearts free and right responses to injury give us victory over Satan proved to be wrong. Job did not curse God when he lost his wealth and his children and his health. He knew that God is always on the throne. So the superior of word of God became evident to all that the purpose of God is setting Job up was fulfilled the revelation of the value of God. Now, brethren, in effect, Satan was saying, God, Job, has ulterior motives in serving you. He is only using God for his own selfish interests. Unfortunately, the accusation of Satan heard at Job is true of some believers. Look, he fed about multitudes and the multitude followed Jesus. When Jesus started teaching them about doctrine of election, he said, this is a, they said, this is a hard doctrine. This is a hard teaching. And they didn't follow the Lord. God has permitted trouble to be our servant. Trouble is our servant. In fact, the harder and more vehemently our enemies work, the harder he is pushing us to the top, to the throne of grace. Nagging, irritating, injustices, painful delays, and even childhood traumas can all be turned around by God to work in our favor. Trouble is open, God's gift to us. It is a sacred treasure. Such was the case in the life of Joseph. Oh, there's a lot of trouble in the life of Joseph. All the cruelties committed against Joseph by his older brother pushed him to the throne in Egypt. Trouble is meant to be our servant. Our God is able to turn the curse into a blessing. He is able. He is able. Just like what I said, God is still on his throne. He knew all these things. He knew that we need this. God is always still on his throne. Brethren, this is the most expensive worship. Sometimes we think that God is on the throne. When we are healthy, we say, God is still on his throne. When we are sick, maybe God is not on his throne. 
when we are, when we have a fine job, God is in one strong. But when we have no job, we fight. God is not still in one strong. When we have uh, healthy bodies, oh, God is still only strong. But when we are not healthy, God is not only strong. My friend, one this one this beautiful morning, I asked Sister Her, the wife of Brother Tom. Sister, how do you how do you bake biscuit? Ah, oh, Brother Kindo, I did a baking powder, flour, salt, and also like this as shortenings. Brethren, I heard one man pray near to the pulpit. And he said, Lord, I hate baking powder. Oh Lord, I hate baking powder. <laughs> I hate baking powder. And he said, what? He said, Lord, I hate flour. <laughs> I hate flour. Then he said, Lord, I hate salt. <laughs> I hate salt. Lord, I hate shorty. <laughs> Oh Lord, if you put them together all and stir them up and cook it in the oven and I'm sure I do like this. And I said to myself that this is the best exegesis on Romans 8 verse 28. And I'm sure I never heard it in my life. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the cold. Amen. Hallelujah. I hate flour. I hate shorting. I hate baking powder. I hate ah, salt. But if you mix it and cook it in the oven, I do like biscuit. If you take it one by one, I don't like this. Who shall, Apostle Paul says, he knew that God is always on his throne. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Or famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? Sword? No. God is still on his throne. Come death. Come tribulation. Come famine. Come persecution. Come hunger. Come sadness. Come sorrows. Come illness. Come cancer. God is still on his throne. Brethren, this is my father's word. Oh, let me near forget that though the wrong seems up so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is 
my father's word. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Brethren, I'm going out to see my father's word. Brethren, when your calamity comes, may the Lord give you the grace to affirm His absolute sovereignty. God is always on His throne. The Lord bless you. God bless us all.